Welcome to the Open Bedroom Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Kalo. Welcome to conversations about open relationships, online dating, conscious uncoupling, and creating the relationship that truly aligns for you. If you enjoy this podcast, I hope that you do a couple things for us. Would you subscribe? Would you write a review? Maybe share us with your friends. And lastly, follow us on The Open Bedroom. We are on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. I hope you enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of The Open Bedroom. Today, I have a guest, as you can see. This is Dr. Sarah Hill. She's a psychologist, a professor focused on women's health and sexual psychology, and biggest thing here is she's an author um, of the book, This Is Your Brain on Birth Control. This is a subject I've never had on the podcast before, but I'm really, really interested in it. So Sarah, would you take a few minutes and just introduce yourself, whatever you want to tell us, and let's just jump in. Sure. So I am, uh, I'm a psychologist, as you noted, um, and I've been uh, doing research on women's um, health and sexual psychology and uh, hormones for about 23 years now since I first got into the field. And yeah, and I um and I'm the author of This Is Your Brain on Birth Control, which I know we're gonna be talking about today. Mm -hmm. And I also um work as a consultant for um Cougar Life, which is um an app for women who are looking for age gap relationships. And I also um, do some other consulting work for different companies with birth control related products. And we're trying to crack the code in how to give women more positive experiences on the pill. Ah, how exciting. I did see the cougar aspect of potential yeah. conversations. If you want to weave that in, feel free. That's yeah. obviously a sexy and fun conversation to have too. Yeah. Yeah. So I ended up uh, just as a, a side note, I got, I ended up getting involved with, um, with them because I have always been really interested in sexual double standards, um, <laughs> that we have for women where we have these rules for women and like what women can do and what men can do. And, you know, and one of those of course is just the idea that men can have sex with however many partners they want to. And like, and we think that that's wonderful. And then if women do the same thing, we call them all sorts of bad names. Mm -hmm. um, and when you look at age gap dating, it's the same thing. We're like a man who dates younger, we just call them men, you know? And like when women date younger, we have to have a predatory term associated right? with it. So yeah. what kind of predatory term would you give to a man? If like we were going to throw out terminology, what would you call it? I like what, what do you call me like a cradle robber? But that sort of <laughs> goes both ways, you know, They're like yeah. we don't really have a, we don't have a word for that, you know, know, just like we don't have a word for a male slut, you know, it's just like, they haven't, we haven't come mm -hmm. up with that yet. And, um, and it's a very similar type of thing where we create these labels to, um, you know, these pejorative labels that label women's sexual behavior in a bad way, but like, we don't have the same thing for men. And anyway, so that that's how I ended up um, working with them because I, I think it's, it's such an, you know, it's, it's, it's an empowered, it's an empowered company in that they're just like putting it all out there and um, taking the term cougar back and, um, mm -hmm. and being something that's positive for women. So anyway, that's, um, that's my, that's my spiel about that. That's so yummy. Yeah. I, uh, <clears throat> I don't have any experience dating younger men. I tend to reach older, but my partner's first sexual experience was with a cougar and it, it's interesting how it's imprinted him like forever, you know, like everything I think is related back to that first experience of, 
losing your innocence and a woman really taking sweet, sweet care of him and like being phenomenal in bed. And so his very first experience and like most of us that were like, well, it kind of slipped in or I sort of think maybe (laughs) I was raped or I don't really know what happened or it was terrible. Or of course I didn't have an orgasm. I didn't even know my own body. Like his experience got to be really joyful and sweet. And, and so even as he's aged, it's been interesting because he's 42 now. I mean, it's been 20 years since he had his first experience. Um, I, he still has a thing for older women. And what's so interesting. So I, well, there's a couple of things that are interesting about that, but so my advisor, so I'm, my background, my training is, um, is evolutionary psychology. And so we use these principles from, um, uh, the theory of natural selection to make predictions about, you know, the types of behaviors that we'll see in the brain and everything else. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so my, my advisor is, um, David Buss, and he's a very famous evolutionary psychologist. Um, and he has this theory out there about kinks and about fetishes. And it sort of relates to what you were just saying. And that's what it was reminding me of. And, and, and his mm-hmm. theory on kinks, it's just an offhanded theory that he was talking about. And so this isn't like anything that's had any research done on it. Um, but I remember him talking about like the idea that you have this like early sexual experience. So whether it's your first or one of the first, and if it's, you know, whatever is like sort of the most salient feature of that mm-hmm. event, that that can be the focus of a kink. So if somebody like your partner was wearing like sexy heels or whatever, or, like you like the first time they were really attracted, like felt real sexual feelings towards somebody they're wearing sexy high heels that that could then become fetishized or and then, leather the smell yeah of leather. yeah or leather and so mm-hmm. this, this idea that your that your partner even after all these years still has this um special place in his heart for older women i love yeah i didn't i didn't quite understand it at first i was like so you're interested in women like 20 and 30 years older than you and he was like I just think they're so beautiful. And there's something about like the wisdom and the sexuality that exudes in an older woman that you just don't find in a 20 or a 30 or a 40 year old. And so he's like, I've just always been attracted to older women. And so I think he's had several throughout the years. I'm actually younger than him by two years, but I am growing my hair. Can you see my gray? I am growing my hair out, which I think might be kind of a turn. It's a turn on for him. He's like, I love gray hair. I love just being natural. And I'm like, okay, so here we go. I love it. No, I love it. I think that I think that that's really fascinating. And and, and what's been fun about this work is that, you know, I think that for a very long time, we have these definitions of beauty, you know, mm-hmm. and again, it's, it's where it's one of these double standards where you have double standards for age and like what's acceptable for women and what's considered sexy and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and, and it, it's not always true. You know, it's like we've all kind of bought into this idea that um, that youth equals beauty, um, but th- that's not 100 percent true. And, mm-hmm. um, and that sexiness sort of transcends um, age. And and which is another thing I really love about the work that I do that I do with Cougar Life is because I, I love empowering women in this way, because I I think, you know, as somebody because I'm, I'm 45, I'm about to be 46 and I, I'm like you, like I've always I've always dated older men. Um, that's my jam. <laughs> it's like always been, I mean, and, um, had relationships with older men, but I love, um, for women who are interested in younger men being able to claim that space mm-hmm. and to understand and recognize that they're sexy still, you know, that they're sexy to 
people are 20 years younger than them. And, and they are, you know, it's um, because beauty is a lot more than, than what we've been led to believe that it is like sexiness is not as definable as um, smooth skin, you know, youthful gait or, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. however we define like traditional standards of beauty, sexiness lives in its own category. And I think that it really transcends. Um, I think it transcends age. You're right. And there's so many factors. I know this is like not at all we were going to talk about, but this is well, so I know, I know. It's like, I we'll, get it. hey, we'll get to so, the pill. We'll get to the pill. So think about like your imprinting, right? Think yeah. about the way that you were raised. Think about as you're younger, what you're, what you are attracted to. And I can imagine a lot of guys, probably a lot of boys. So I'm thinking of like my teenagers ages, they're 12 and 15, super impressionable, super aware getting testosterone is happening. They're interested. They're, you know, turned on, they're figuring out what they like. And they look at their mom. They look at their mom's friends. They see the women that are coming over. They're listening to discussions. Um, and I'm sure that that's also some imprinting there where they're like, man, mom's friend is really hot. And I'm not sure why I'm attracted to her because I'm 15 and she's 40, but wow. Right. And right. just like all these things throughout life that then leave that impression. And one thing I'm finding, so we're in an open relationship. This is an open relationship podcast. And what's interesting okay. is, as I've started dating women, uh -huh. I don't reach up. I don't reach for older. I'm reaching. I'm not reaching for younger. Younger is reaching for me, which is fascinating. Like we've fascinating. had a 29 year old. We've had a 33 year old. We've had a, a 30, I currently have a 35 year old girlfriend. We also have a 60 year old girlfriend. So I don't typically reach up, but like, it's fascinating to me now being like the cougar, the older one where I'm like, these little 30 year olds are digging me and I'm 40. This is interesting. No, I love that. I love that. I've met that. I've met that super interesting. I had a, so I had this really great conversation with a journalist and she is also, um, she was also bisexual and she was talking about how she was at a bar and there was this like much younger woman mm -hmm. who, you know, she thought kind of was flirting with her, but then she's like, no, no, there's no way that she's flirting with me because I'm 15 years older than she is. Mm -hmm. And so she had that, you know, that, that same script that I think a lot of women get, which is that, oh, I'm, you know, just, um, sexual white noise at this point. Cause I'm, you know, invisible. And, mm -hmm. uh, and no, and it turned out this woman actually was flirting with her and, uh, and, and, you know, they ended up, um, they ended up going out for a drink, but she said that even going out for a drink with her felt weird because she she couldn't get that that script out of her head which was like mm -hmm. like there's no there's no way that she's into me and um and and so i mean it, it it's been so deeply ingrained in all of us that we become irrelevant at a certain point in terms of what's sexy and trying to help women rewrite that narrative i think is really really important because I, I don't I think that it's true no, I was just like, I've totally been thinking the same thing lately because I have a lot of conversations with like clients or just friends who are like, I'm stuck in this marriage. No one's ever going to want me. I've spent 20 or 30 years raising their kids and being a stay at home mom. And I'm nothing like I'm a shell of a person that's left after all these years of giving myself to my family and not figuring out who I am in the world. And I just kind of look at them and I'm like, do you have any idea how desirable you are? 
I mean, besides the fact of you don't know who you are, that's a whole process in itself, but you know, you're beautiful and interesting and fun to talk to and, you know, love to salsa dance. Like you have a lot going for you. Do you know how many women are on dating apps and don't even know that they like to salsa dance? Like there's a lot of us that haven't figured that out and nobody is undateable. I mean, maybe, maybe a few people are undateable, but most people are not undateable. Most people- could get, jump on a dating app and be, especially women, and be blown away at the amount of men that are like, you are so sexy. <laughs> right. Yeah. Which I, I mean, honestly, like, so I've had, um, I've got, I've got girlfriends who are on the dating market and, mm-hmm. you know, when they go through a breakup, that's always the recommended cure from, I'm like, go on the dating apps yeah, and just feel loved, you know, just like go on Aww. and get the love. And feel the love because mm-hmm. I think that sometimes, especially as women, and once we get into our forties and beyond that, it can, um, it's, yeah, you get that feeling, right. You, you have that, you hear that voice in your head that tells you that I'm a shell of a person, there's nothing left. Mm-hmm. Blah, 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 blah. And, um, and yeah. And, and the popularity of an app like Cougar Life, for example, I think is like wonderful antidote to all of that because, it does really well. And <laughs> there's a lot of, you know, awesome and, and beautiful women on there and they're meeting interesting young men who are interested in them and creating mm-hmm. relationships. And so, um, you know, that narrative isn't true. I bet that's so yummy to be yeah. in your forties and have 20 and 30 somethings being so into you. One of the things that I have really loved about, um, dating again, you know, in my, late thirties and now forties, especially with women is realizing I'm perfect just the way I am. I don't need to lose the 20 pounds. I don't need to go crazy at the gym. Like there is someone for everyone and I'm super curvy. So like I found that not only is my partner really into curvy people and now the women that we're with are really into curvy women, but I find like, I look up now and I notice that the women that I'm attracted to are super curvy. I'm at the gym with the lady who's like, and I'm like, oh yeah, she is getting it on that stair stepper. Like her ass looks amazing. And it's like, all of a sudden you have just such a different view on not only understanding what you're actually attracted to, but realizing that your own body is beautiful and perfect for someone else. And we've spent an entire lifetime trying to, you know, we're down on ourselves and we're trying to diet and we're trying to do this. And we're trying to like, if only I could look the certain way, I'm going to be perfect. And someone's going to want me. There are millions of people on these dating apps, millions of people. And out of that grouping, I guarantee there are people out there for you that are really into exactly the way you look. So can I ask you a question? Yeah. I know this is like, so why is it that it was your relationships with women? Do you think that really like taught you that? Like, why did it take that to get mm-hmm. you? To- Good yeah. question. So for me, okay. When I first opened up my relationship two years ago, I was having experiences with men and I also found total acceptance with men. I would walk into a bedroom with them and take my clothes off and wear lingerie. I love lingerie, so I have a lot of lingerie. But like when we'd get down to that level, they would be like, you are beautiful. And so that started to imprint into me, I am beautiful. Like these curves are beautiful. I've had two babies and two C-sections and it's still okay. And I'm perfect. This is awesome. It was with women that I realized... I think my attraction for people that look just like me, like we have a girlfriend 
And she's so curvy. I think she's even like a little curvier than me. And every time I see her naked, I just like salivate. And I and it, it had this moment a few weeks ago where I was looking at her and I was admiring her and I was thinking, oh my God, I look like this. Like, this is what Scott, my partner, thinks about me when he sees me. He's not looking at me thinking like, God, she has cellulite and like her stomach's too big. And like, God, I wish she'd go run on the treadmill, which I'm like right in front of my Peloton right now looking at it. But <laughs> I do try, but all these things that I think are in our heads about what we think people are thinking about our bodies is not true. And so now that I've been on the other side as a woman with another woman looking at her body, basically looking at my own body and salivating, I'm like, okay, I get it. And it's so easy then to take all of that mental shit and just throw it out the window and go, I can be fully present with this. I can enjoy this. That's fascinating. No, that's so, yeah, I think that that's really fascinating. I think it's really fascinating. And there's like, a, there's this research that was done like a hundred years ago now, but it showed, um, it showed uh, women line drawings. And, and I don't know if you've heard about this research, but it shows like figures like really, really thin. And then mm-hmm. to get, you know, into really, um, you know, quite heavy, mm-hmm. you know, so, and then, you know, kind of curvy in the middle and, um, and they ask women, you know, what is the ideal body size for you? And like, what do you think, what's the ideal thing for men? And women are kind of like way over here on the, what they choose. And when you ask men, <laughs> it's, it's shifted in the other direction. And it's like, women really have a skewed view of what it is that is desirable to the opposite sex. So it's, it's really interesting. And it's it'd be hilarious. It would be really interesting to learn more about whether people who have same sex preferences, mm-hmm. um, whether or not they have more accurate views about that in general, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like whether your experiences are common and whether or not they transcend um, our gender. Right. And also mm-hmm. then um, tr- like go, go into like the, the gay male population too. I'm just curious about that. But, but that, <laughs> that's fascinating. I think it's a really fascinating question. Sarah's next research project. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. No, I think it's so fascinating. Fascinating. It, it really would be fascinating. And I wonder as well, like you're to your point, if men feel the same way. Um, mm-hmm. Like I know that my partner is very mindful about his body and probably mm-hmm. extra critical where I look at him and I'm like, you're fucking delicious. You don't understand how many women want a dad bod dad right. bods and beards are the thing right now just yeah. like curvy women are the thing although it's interesting that you say that about the chart and how women are like okay the almost boyish figure is where i need to be and i've noticed a lot of my friends are now doing this the, the diet thing the diet injections that everybody's like it's like really di- the for diabetics but they're all taking it and it's like weight yeah. thing. And I look at some of them as they're taking it and I'm like, you look emaciated. And I wonder, sometimes we do things for our men that our men do not ask for. They don't want you to look emaciated. They don't want you to look like an Ethiopian person. They're like, please keep your curves. I love your curves. Or like Scott, Scott lately has been like, please stop doing Botox. Like you don't need to do that. I love you. I love your eye crinkles. And I, and I look at him and I think, I love your eye crinkles. Like I, I love when you smile and you have these sweet little crinkles around your eyes and I would be sad if you Botox the shit out of them. And so I'm just, I think as I get older to, to our original point, like the, what you see is beautiful and what you feel inside as sexy changes so much just throughout the evolution of our own lives. Right. Yeah. And actually, so here's a question. Here's another, another question for you. 
<laughs> this has to do with hormones. So this actually makes like a nice transition. Space. I love it. Cause I was about to lead us that way too. Okay. Well, look at that. So, okay. So I have gotten emails from women after they, they so they read my book. Um, and you know, and it's about the birth control pill, um, and, and the way that it changes us psychologically. And one of the things that I write about is about how it can change our partner preferences and our sexual desire. Okay. And, um, what the research finds is that, um, women, cause usually across a, a natural cycle, when women are cycling, mm-hmm. um, when estrogen is rising in the cycle, women experience like sort of a, a sh- increase in sexual desire, mm-hmm. but also sort of an increased preference for, um, a masculinity on the faces of men. Right. So they like sort of the Mr. Testosterone when estrogen is rising. And so, uh, and so what then later researchers asked is what happens when you put women on the pill, because the pill keeps your hormone levels really low and flat. Um, and it keeps you in a constant state in which, uh, estrogen is sort of the minor hormone and the Mm -hmm. the major hormone is the synthetic progesterone or progestin. Mm -hmm. And so researchers asked, well, if estrogen predicts a desire for testosterone, do women on the pill prefer a less masculine male face? And might they even choose less masculine male partners? Mm-hmm. And what they found is that lo and behold, women's preferences um, on the pill sort of shift um, away from the sort of Mr. Testosterone toward more of like, you know, the sort of average looking dad, dad looking kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and they actually found that the, the partner's Um, So men whose partners chose them Mm -hmm. when they were on hormonal birth control, that they have somewhat less masculinized male faces compared to like a sample of uh, men who were chosen by their female partners when they were off of hormonal birth control. So this is, so this is a backdrop. Um, And so now flash forward and here's my question to you. Okay. So I have gotten emails from women um, since the time my book came out a couple of years ago telling me that they, when they go on or off the pill, it nudges them in and out of different sexual orientation where they sort of get nudged toward, um, being bisexual, or they get nudged toward being exclusively lesbian or exclusively heterosexual. Mm. And, um, and to me, I mean, given that we seem to know that women's hormones seem to be related to, um, partner preferences, it could, it seems obvious to me that, well, that of course that could happen, right? Because if you're kind of on the border and you have a hormonal change, it could kind of nudge you in or out of wherever you are, if you're kind of borderline in terms of your preferences. And so I am curious with you, do you Mm -hmm. think any, that it could be hormonal changes because I've become really interested in late age lesbians. Cause I'm like, yeah, like this has to be a, a thing where it's not just that it was like women who were like, in like it's hormonal based, which it could well, be. That's what I think though. I think that there's a possibility that there's some involvement, mm-hmm. at least in some cases where, um, where that could be what's happening. Okay. I, I was hoping you would lead us to the hormones. Cause I have a different question for you. Well, okay. Okay. That. Well, okay. Yeah, yeah. But I will answer your question first. Um, for me, it was situational and it was allowing myself to explore. So, um, and then I'll give you a backdrop on my hormones and my relationship with birth control. Um, so I've always been with men. Um, I have an experience that I just talked about this week. I think actually in my social media where you'll see a lot of girl on girl stuff, um, where when I was a young girl and I was, I don't know, first or second grade on a playground, there were these giant like monster truck tires cut in half. So I realized with my friend, Sarah, that we could press our little bodies inside the tires and then your faces are together and nobody can see you. And so we practice kissing in there. 
And I was like, this is fucking awesome. I like girls. But it was the only time I ever explored girls as a girl, you know? And then as I progressed into being a teenager and my, I've always been very sexual, like coming out of the womb, even as a little girl, I've been very sexual. And so for me, the predominant sexual desire was for men. And so I was always all about the boys. And then I noticed as, um, in my second marriage, as we began to open up our relationship and I was like, this is a great opportunity to see if I'm really bisexual or not, or if I just think women are beautiful. And so I had my first experience and I was like, fuck, this is awesome. But, and this is where my question about hormones comes into play. I noticed that her, her, her hormone profile, her scent was not appealing to me. Like I loved her body and I loved feeling like boobs and curves and softness, but I wasn't like, I can't wait to do this again. I was like, there's something a little bit like I'm off and I'm very aware of scent. And I've been very, very aware of men's scent and it's like intoxicating to me, Mm -hmm. but there was something about this experience. And then I had another female experience and the same thing happened. And I was like, Okay. In my mind, I have this fantasy that I'm smelling a woman's hair and it's like fresh spring flowers and her, her, her skin is delicious. And I just want to devour her, you know, and it wasn't happening. And so I was thinking, maybe I'm just not bisexual. Maybe this really isn't for me. Although I really am enjoying their body. I just like, I don't like the smell. And then I had another experience and I was like, oh no, this one smells good. And then I had another one. Oh, this smells, this is great. And so it was, to me, it's very much, it's like primal. Uh-huh. So I'll, leave, I'll kick it back to you and then I'll come back and ask my question about hormones. That's fascinating. So to start with, there's a lot of research that finds that women are more sensitive to scent, like generally, um, and in especially in the domain of mate choice. And so like for men, it's just, they don't notice it as much um, mm-hmm. like, like we do. And I know so many women and I'm one of them mm-hmm. <laughs> where the scent thing is a big deal, you know, where it's like, nope, this isn't, this isn't my person. And even if you have like an amazing conversation and you really like them and they're perfect on paper, if they don't have the right smell and then it's just like sexual mm-hmm. and, um, and evolutionarily, this is, you know, reason to be something that plays an important role in terms of partner choice because of things that are related to genetic compatibility. And so my, you know, guess would be that some of these people whose scent is not appealing to you, that there's something about them that would be sort of genetically incompatible, um, with you and, and that that's kind of what you're picking up on and then is making your brain sort of go, you know, red light or green light. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, and it's, oh, there's also research showing that where you are in your cycle can mm-hmm. impact the, the scent of other people. And so at certain points in our cycle, particularly when fertility is high. So when we're in the point in the cycle, when conception is possible, mm-hmm. which is usually, um, about, it's usually like day nine to 14 of the cycle. Mm-hmm. If in the first day of your cycle is the first day you get your period, that's a time of an increased um, sensitivity to cues related to things like genetic compatibility and hormonal markers. And so it could also be that your cycle influenced your perceptions of um, the scent of other women. It could be, you know, with the first woman, I only was naked with her one time with the next one that I still didn't feel like the scent matched right several, several, several times. And every time I would just be like, she'd leave and I'd be like, 
Scott, I just can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. I want to. And she's right. fun, but I can't. I don't like the way she smells. It was so weird. Um, so I wanted to say one more thing about this before I go back to like my story and then ask you the, the question. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting that you're saying women on birth control, because of the lowered estrogen, tend to pick more feminine men. When mm -hmm. the reason that we go on birth control is to not get pregnant and you need a dick to get pregnant. And then when you're off birth control, then you're attracted to men again. So then you get back on it and then you're not attracted to the guy that you picked. Right. And it also like, cause birth control is also oftentimes a libido killer. So it really mm -hmm. lowers your sex drive. And again, it's that cruel bind where it's like, you go on it because you're trying to have sex. Isn't that and frustrating? Then, yeah. I imagine the husbands that are like, you just tricked me. Like you wanted to get married or you wanted to move in and you got on this birth control so that you wouldn't get pregnant and now you won't fuck me. I don't know what's wrong. Yeah. I feel- You know, it's, it's funny because I had a girlfriend of mine tell me, she's like, I literally thought that um, the way that the birth control pill was keeping me from getting pregnant was by making me never want to have sex again. That's so sad. I know it is sad. It's it's just the worst. I think and the, the options aren't great. Like we talk a lot about this because we're in an open relationship. Condoms freaking suck. They yeah. suck for the guys that are like, Scott is so sensual. And he's like, I want to feel all of you. And when I'm literally feeling like I can't feel anything, it's not fun for me. I don't want that. Like I want to be in there, you know? And then we've also, we've talked about vasectomy as an option. We've talked like, but then you have to still worry about STI. So I feel like there's no great solution unless you have it. <laughs> you wrote a book, so you would have it. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't have it. No, I sure don't. Yeah. Like there's, you know, I, I'm with you with condoms. Like, and for whatever reason, I'm, I don't like them. Like they just, they ruin it for me, which mm -hmm. it seems silly because it shouldn't be that different, but it really feels very different to me. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I don't like it. And, um, and, and, and the pill is not perfect. And, um, there's other, you know, options that aren't perfect either. Like, like natural family planning mm -hmm. is, um, you know, which now is like the fertility awareness method, which is the sort of more, um, like, uh, accelerated way of, um, looking at that, where you understand your cycle and know where you are and track your cycle, um, based on body temperature and fertile mucus and all of this stuff. Um, and then just like, don't have, you know, penal penile vaginal intercourse during the times in your cycle when conception is possible. Um, and then, you know, what, but, but that's like, it's, not everybody's great at tracking their cycle. Right. And, and um, I would do that with my primary partner. If, if that's what we chose to do, but I would never do that with another partner, a third partner or a person who's married. Can you imagine? Like we just got your wife pregnant. I can't even know. <laughs> no, no, it's no, it's really bad. And so, yeah, you can't do that. Like right. that wouldn't be a good setup for that. And it also wouldn't be, you know, cause I've got a teenage daughter and I think mm -hmm. about with her, like there's no way in hell if she came home and was like, all right, I'm, you know, sexually active that I would recommend that. Like, Cause then I would end up I mean, You're like, just, here's an app, track everything. And here's a thermometer. Keep this by yeah. your bed. And <laughs> yeah, like, no, what? I mean, it's like, she'd be like, no, like I, I can't even turn in my Spanish homework, you right. know, exactly. <laughs> trust me with my fertility. No. So there's not a lot of great options. And, um, you know, I think that the, the best thing is yet to come. Like the, one of the things I'm really excited about is, um, there's this new gel that they're saying it's, it is non-hormonal for men. 
Um, because mm. they've had one for a while that lowers testosterone so much that it um prevents them from creating sperm, and that's not good. Um, and that's and, and, then yeah. our men don't want to have sex anymore, too. Well, I know it's just like, and, and women don't want to have sex with them. They're like, 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 what's what's wrong with you? Um, oh, so yeah, there's not a lot. Of, there's not a lot of great options out there, and so. My, you know, so think my partner uh, it has a vasectomy and makes life a million times easier mm-hmm. um, because then you don't have to worry about all of that stuff. But I mean, it's, it's an imperfect world when it comes to what's out there. That's for sure. Hey guys, I hope that you've enjoyed my conversation with Dr. Sarah Hill about the effects that birth control has on women's brains. Dr. Hill and I had such a blast talking with each other that it went over an hour. And it's important to me that you feel that you can consume entire podcast episodes and over an hour is asking for a lot. So what I've decided to do is split this into two parts. So today you're getting part one and next week, early next week on Sunday morning, I will drop part two. So stay tuned for an amazing second part two with Dr. Sarah Hill. Hey there. Did you know that I do online coaching? Yes, I do online coaching in the sex and relationship space. Some of the topics that are near and dear to my heart are open relationships. So that includes polyamory, swinging, or what we call the lifestyle. I also love conversations around online dating. We're talking Bumble, Tinder, Field, and more. And then the last thing that's really passionate and close to my heart is conscious uncoupling. That means we get to break up with people with love and respect, with dignity and hope. Um, We get to create a life for our children that gets to be a little bit different. We can do things better than we have in the past. So if any of these topics sound interesting to you and you'd love to get some coaching from me, check out the link in the show notes or the link in my bio for more information on coaching with Jen.